You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Once again, our Mike Chappell taking a couple well-deserved weeks off here in the middle of the summer while the Colts take a couple of weeks off themselves before they finally gather once again for training camp in Westfield come late July. A little bit of news on that later in the show, but we will first start with uh, some news around the league. And uh, also, we're going to get to talking about some NFL free agency uh, as well, as one free agent has recently expressed some interest in joining the Colts. And uh, Joe uh, has put together or compiled a list of a bunch of free agents that are still out there. A couple former Colts I noticed on that list as well who uh, just haven't found a home yet. Uh, you figure a lot of them are probably waiting for the right opportunity or maybe even a veteran to be injured. Um, not waiting for a veteran. That, that's a tough way to say it, but you know they're, they're kind of holding out and hoping for a little bit more of a payday than teams are willing to offer now, and they're thinking that they'll probably come. Anyway, we'll get to all that, but uh, first, there was one certain piece of news that uh, around the league that was uh, fairly significant this week. Really, I'd say two. Uh, two pieces of news, but we'll start with the one that Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib on Monday became the first active NFL player uh, to come out as gay. And he said that while he's a pretty private person, he believes representation and visibility are important for him. So, Joe, I you figured that this was coming for a while. Obviously, the NFL had the Michael Sam um, a while back who was uh, drafted but then never became an active player. Never made the team. Right. Um, he played it a while in the CFL. Uh, before that, Jason Collins was the first uh, openly gay uh, player in any of the four major sports leagues in the U.S. when he came out on the, um, I think it was a Sports Illustrated cover back in 2013. Um, but uh, Carl Nassa becomes the first uh, openly gay NFL player this week. Yeah, good for him and good for, you know, like you said, representation. And you know for a fact there are other gay players in the NFL who just haven't quite felt comfortable coming out yet. So hopefully... This can kind of just push the uh, push progress forward and allow for uh, players and people to just be comfortable being who they are and not having to hide anything to their teammates, who sometimes are some of the closest people in their lives. So I can only imagine having to hide something uh, of that significance to some of the people that you're closest with. So good for Carl Nassib. I know he pledged to donate $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which is a nonprofit that seeks to prevent suicides among LGBTQ youth. Uh, that's always a mouthful. I, I feel like Every time. I, I always mess it up. There's so many letters there. But, um, but but that's good on Carl, good for the NFL, and good for uh, any other gay players out there who uh, maybe haven't quite felt comfortable yet uh, speaking their truth. Now maybe this helps encourage them. There were two responses that I saw. Uh, one of them was what you saw from the majority of the NFL. You get Roger Goodell coming out and, and praising him for it, like Colt owner Jim Ursay comes out, praises him for it. You saw former teammates like at Penn State, Saquon Barkley, uh, gave him like a thumbs up and whatever it was on Twitter for it. So that was the one instance. The other one was, was a who cares. Uh, like, And that's I, I, that's a... It, it is different now than it was, I think, even in 2013 when Jason Collins was the first gay uh, person to come out, uh, gay athlete to come out uh, in the four major sports leagues. Back then, of course, you could have debates or talks like, well, how's this going to play over in the locker room? I really don't think that's a, that's something that people really discuss anymore, Joe. It, it doesn't seem like it to me that that was at all even part of the discussion after he came out as gay. Yeah, people, you know, the who, who cares is you're still kind of not really getting the point, but it's weird that that's almost like progress from where we have 
been where people are like, I legitimately don't care anymore. Whereas in the past, it's almost been like an issue for some people. And I'm sure it still is for some individuals out mm-hmm. there. Um, but it, 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 you don't have to care about this, but it, it is noteworthy and important because it's the first. It's the first of anything. And the NFL has been around for over 100 years. So it's the first actively gay player. And this just, you know, I can't imagine what it would like to, to be gay and to hold that weight before coming out. Um, but hopefully this helps allow other players to kind of take that weight off their shoulders a little bit and speak their truth and just be who they are. That's why we should care because we should feel like everyone should be free and accepted for who they are. And, and, and I guess that's why you should care about something like this. On Tuesday, the Colts announced they will host training camp practices with the Carolina Panthers. Those practices will take place at Grand Park Sports Complex or Sports Campus, rather, in Westfield on August 12th and 13th before the preseason game scheduled between those two franchises on Sunday, August 15th at Lucas Oil Stadium. So, Joe, this is something that we saw from the Colts over the previous years before 2020, before COVID changed everything. Uh, there were practices against the Browns, the Ravens, and the Lions under Chris Ballard's regime. It, it is a tool that he obviously views as very important. And just w- w- when you're trying to get a group of players ready for an NFL season, having another squad come in and being able to run against different personnel and different schemes uh, in, in still a controlled environment there in a practice rather than a preseason game, which is a little bit more of an uncontrolled environment, it, it, it is incredibly valuable to him, and we will see it once again this year. Yeah, practice is great, but when games come around, you don't play against yourself. No. So it's great to be able to practice against some other talent. Um, I like that this kind of happens like two weeks roughly into training camp, so right when players are getting tired of facing off against their teammates, they can kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, and then it leads right into uh, their their preseason game, so it kind of works out perfectly there. And the Panthers, they're they got some talent on that team, mm-hmm. so it's going to be a nice test for the Colts. Uh, they got some obviously Christian McCaffrey. They got a great set of wide receivers over there, um, and then Sam Darnold. It'll be interesting. We talked so much about Sam Darnold during the off season when the Colts, you know, what were they going to do at quarterback? Well, now during these practices, we're going to have Sam versus Carson. And, and if Sam starts showing up Carson Wentz a little bit, look out. I can already see people starting to lose it. Listen, you're, you're right. <laughs> people will absolutely start to lose it. I understand that. But B, I don't think that will happen again. I, I my, my opinion on Sam Darnold is very well documented on this show in particular. But, but yeah, it, it's... I, <laughs> I just don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't we'll think just it put will. It that way. Yeah, exactly. If it happens, then it's the Colts' defense that has trouble. It's not Carson Wentz that should be uh, under the microscope. It is the Colts' defense if they're getting uh, torn apart by a uh, by Sam Darnold, who's in his first year in this uh, this new system over there in, in Carolina. So, um, a- anyway, that that should be fun. A fun couple days of preseason. And then, of course, like I said, leading up to that preseason game. Um, here are the second part of information that I think is particularly relevant in the NFL this week. I mentioned Carl Nassib, number one. Number two, is the NFL uh, is reportedly going to start accepting bids from other cities to host the scouting combine starting in 2023? Boo. Of course, I know, right? It's been in Indianapolis forever and a day. Um, and the contract currently with the NFL ends next year so in 2022 in february next year is the last contracted one in indianapolis now it was first reported by the indianapolis business journal seconded by espn's dad uh, dan graziano boo to dan who's a georgetown alum by the way 
So that's funny. I, I saw him at one Colts game. We shared some uh, some very uh, friendly words, of course, about about our rivalry between our schools. But ne- nevertheless, uh, I respect him as a journalist, even though I don't respect his uh, his, uh, his his university. <laughs> his <credentials. of> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. But 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 all kidding aside, for for the city of Indianapolis, the combine has been uh, fantastic. Um, you you bring personnel. Um, uh, what's the word? Like you you bring people from personnel offices across the league here and they all praise how indianapolis is to host it i think if you ask them and if it's strictly in in terms of the place that is best to host a uh scenario like this that has the best logistics and the best facilities for it indianapolis is a clear choice and the best location for it a centralized location as well but if you're looking like the nfl does to make things a spectacle then keeping it in one and to make money and to generate fan engagement indianapolis might not be the best place at least not the best place to do it consistently they're going to want to do it like the draft they're going to want to move it around they're going to want to open it up for bidding and they're going to want to make more money it's what the nfl does so well is make money and this is another way they can do it by generating bids and going to other places well who makes these decisions i'm sure it's the owners and what do the owners care about money money Mm -hmm. they're 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 bottom line so even jim ursay like he wants it here obviously he said it in interviews with us but if it makes him more money he's not going to complain too much if it goes to la or las vegas yeah exactly and i get the whole spectacle i mean i love it i got to go to the combine a couple years with chapel i just kind of tagged along like a little puppy and it, it was great. It was my favorite thing I got to do at Fox 59 and CBS 4. I mean, I could have I, I could have reached out and touched Bruce Arians and all these different coaches. I remember asking uh, Michael Pittman Jr. questions before he was even drafted by the Colts. So it was, it was awesome. Um, it's a great event. I, of all people, understand why people love the NFL Combine. Um, and, I mean, I can still watch the Underwear Olympics, even if it's in L.A. It'll be on TV or whatever. But I, I really just hope for Indianapolis' sake it stays in, in Indy. It's the, that boat is – that ship has sailed, in, in my opinion. Like, that, that's not me reporting. every few years. You know, they could still bid and get it every once I in a I think so, right? yeah. Like I, I think – like I said, I think it's going to become like the NFL draft. And I think it's going to go to certain places. And there's there's going to be – it's going to be more of a made-for-TV thing, the the combine. I really think it is because that that's something that has grown steadily. You know, maybe not taking leaps and bounds every year, but it has grown certainly now. As as Chap has said many times during during his uh, talks about the combine, you two are very much opposite in, in your love of the combine. Like, I, I think <laughs> yeah. he he enjoys it and he appreciates what the, the value of it, but but he could go without covering it. Whereas you would have a uh, a. Th- two-week-long NFL combine, you would sleep out at Lucas Oil Stadium if you were, were allowed to do so. But 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 anyway, just to make it more of a television-friendly event, to make it more of a fan-friendly event, to bring more fans in, to charge people for tickets, like all that stuff, to make it more palatable, if, if that's the right word, for a television audience so you will tune in, to have stuff that happens in prime time. Like if you do stuff out on the West Coast in L.A. or Vegas, that's going to be prime time on the East Coast if it's like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock out there. So that's that's prime television watching hours for people here. They're going to be able to sell so much more in advertising there. They're going to make, like I said, they're going to make more money. And you cannot tell the NFL and its owners 
that, oh, we have to stay in Indianapolis because it's tradition, because it's just logistics, because they can do fine elsewhere. They really can. It's not like they're going to go places and teams will be at a severe disadvantage or a disadvantage at all. They're still going to have facilities that are set up for medical. They're still going to have facilities that are set up for the lift, for the 40-yard dash, for like a field to have people on there do all the drills and the underwear Olympics, as you so affectionately put it. (laughs) There's there's going to be places to do this stuff, even though Indianapolis is the prime, like the prime place. And that's not me saying it. That's NFL executives, people who've come here and talk about the combine year after year and how valuable the city of Indianapolis has been in putting on that event. That's not me saying it. That's them saying that. So uh, it's all that to say. This, this is a ship that is well out of the harbor, that the city of Indianapolis is not going to host the Combine every year going down the road. But I believe you're right, Joe, that, that Indianapolis will be in the rotation, if nothing more for the fact that it has done so well for so long. And if they go out and they expand things in a couple other places to be able to do, I don't know, like a 40-yard dash down the Vegas Strip or something like that, you know, just to have these, these unique ideas that other places can bring. I think in the long run, that can make what happens in Indianapolis even better because you see things like that. You generate ideas here. The folks here at Indiana Sports Corp are really good at doing stuff like that. So like, I, I think going elsewhere could, in the long run, not, not it could make Indianapolis even a better place to host the combine. Not that it'll come back here permanently. I think that's always going to be a rotation type thing. But I think Indianapolis will always be in the rotation, kind of like Miami or New Orleans is always in the Super Bowl rotation. Sure. Indy will always be in the combine rotation. Yeah, I mean... It- I'm just interested to see, so, like, logistically, we've been saying the Combine works in so well logistically, so are, like, outdoor stadiums just kind of going to be without a bid? Because how do you, like, comparatively test timing numbers to someone who ran indoors last year to someone who ran outdoors while it was snowing in wind? Yeah. Um, So is it going to be indoor-only venues? Is there, you know, there's just so many things that go into it. How do you compare the times year after year when it's on different surfaces? Like you said, wind, different weather might be at play. So I think the NFL, they'll definitely do everything they can to, you know, wring every less dollar they Mm -hmm. can out of this. But they need to be careful, too, to not jeopardize the legitimacy of the combine and be able to compare year after year the different numbers, because I remember just this past year, all the 40 times were like way lower than they typically are. And I get that for pro days, it's typically the case. But the reason that's the case is because it's on different surfaces. It's not a controlled environment. Well, it's not a controlled environment if you're having it in a different space every year either. So I think that'll be interesting to see how the NFL kind of balances the logistics with the fanfare and money and all that other stuff that goes with it yeah to be determined but but like we both agree it, it's gonna happen and it's gonna yeah happen. It, it, it's uh sorry indianapolis that it's it's gonna go at least Can for a time anything come on well not 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 permanently i guess you can't <laughs> have it permanently um w- one more bit of news from around the nfl we saw a nice picture on social media this week of a uh, colts quarterback sam ellinger or ellinger working out with patrick mahomes uh, at a gym there. No, his photo surfaced with the sixth-round quarterback talking with the former MVP of the league. Um, so so clearly, uh, Sam Ellinger uh, is going to be a future uh, MVP, right, if he's working out with Pat? I think that's what this means. I, I love the Colts tweet. It's just like Sam Ellinger and a fan. And a fan, yes. <laughs> that's Patrick funny. Patrick Mahomes right there. Um, it's great. I mean, both these guys, obviously, they went to different schools, but they played college cor- uh, football in Texas. Yep. Um, I, I would imagine that's where the connection has to come from. And they might have the same trainer. I think it was a trainer who snapped mm-hmm. the picture. Yes. Um, I'm forgetting his name 
Bob's. I'm not going to get Stroop. it. So, yeah, forget uh, it, it was something like that. Um, but I, I, I just think it's great. It, it, can, it can only help Sam Ellinger. It's not going to hurt him to work out like one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback currently doing it is working out. Um, I was just kind of wondering what our expectations are for Ellinger. I mean, obviously, I don't think either of us think he's going to be anything more than a backup this year, third stringer. I would be surprised if he surpassed uh, Jacob Eason. If Ellinger throws one pass this year for the Colts, I would be stunned, is what it comes down to ultimately. But, you, you know, it's great to see him putting in the work in the offseason. At, at this point, you have to. Like, you're a sixth-round quarterback. You can't just go home and go fishing for uh, yeah. for these six weeks, you know, before training camp Doesn't starts. Doesn't really so. have a job. Is exactly. You should look yes. at it. So my, my favorite part of the picture, though, that uh, was the, uh, the the Yoda quote up on the uh, – there. Yeah, all these inspirational quotes – behind him and there was the yoda quote there was the do or do not there is no try <laughs> so, and yoda underneath it so like all these quotes from all these people I missed and that. oh joe oh I, I picked it out right away so I, I found it i found it funny that they'd have a yoda quote inside this gym with all these like professional football players you know working out there there's yoda right, right above them uh, giving them some inspiration to yeah to keep going with That's with their hilarious. workouts so um speaking of keeping on going some free agents in the nfl hoping to keep their careers going um but they are you you don't see too many guys make two big impacts who are picked up this late they do come sometimes but nevertheless there's a free agent right now who specifically has expressed interest in joining the colts thinking that he can make an impact here in Indianapolis, and that is wide receiver Golden Tate. Tate said on Sirius XM NFL Radio this week, uh, quote, there's a couple teams I'm looking at, and he went on to list Indy over with Carson Wentz. Uh, now, Car- Carson Wentz and Golden Tate played together in Philadelphia for a half a season when they signed him for eight games at the end of 2008. And like I was looking back at the numbers, I was kind of surprised Golden Tate didn't have that great a half a year with Philadelphia. He played eight games. He only had 30 catches, and he averaged less than 10 yards per catch, which is pretty far below his like his his career average. So you, you look at just the numbers, and you think, well, maybe he isn't that interested in joining Carson Wentz. But he is. He says he wants to play with Carson Wentz. So even though his numbers weren't that great that year, Carson Wentz left a good enough impression that he would be happy to come and play with him again. So at 33 years old, Joe... A wide receiver of that age, I don't know if it's exactly what the Colts want, at least right now, with guys who are healthy right now. Yeah. But maybe down the road, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Guys who have experience with Wentz in the past and who had experience in a um, similar system to uh, to what the Colts run now. I know Frank Reich was gone from the Eagles in 20, uh, 2018. He was already here in Indianapolis. But they probably still had a good similar base with Doug Peterson, the head coach there, of what they do. So like, I, I certainly won't, wouldn't rule it out. But as of right now, I would probably find it difficult to believe that they would bring in a wide receiver at this moment. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And Golden Tate, even if they did sign him, my reaction would be like, okay. Okay. You know, it's so last, I mean, he was a very good receiver like five years ago. I think with the Lions, he had three 1,000 yard receiving, uh, 1,000 yard receiving seasons over the course of four years. Um, but the past two years with the Giants in total, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns over the course of 23 games. Uh, he did make it known he was upset about his role with the Giants last season, not getting the ball. Kind of wrote it off as like a weird COVID year. Um, his last 1,000-yard season was in 2017. So this is not the golden Tate of his prime, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's 33 years old. 
Would he be an upgrade over Zach Pascal? Maybe at least as a pure receiver, but Pascal does so much good run blocking and all the little things um, that it's almost like you'd be signing him to be your fifth wide receiver or at least share that wide receiver four role because he's not overtaking Pittman or no. Paris. Um, and there's a other few wide receivers out there that I kind of think are a little more interesting. Some of those other wide receivers who are available right now, Julian Edelman, 35 years old, Larry Fitzgerald, 38 years old, who's still the best football player I've ever seen in person. Football player, period. Anything. Like he 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 stunned me in his in his younger days. I was just blown away with watching him on the field was was truly special. Deed Westbrook, Deed Westbrook. How do you pronounce that? I think it's Deed. 28 years old, Kenny Stills, 29 years old. So there's a good good number of guys who are younger, Joe, who uh, who who would have more years than them who are trying to prove that they deserve a contract, more so even than than Golden Tate. At twenty, at thirty-three years old, who you know is on into the back nine of his career, if you're looking for a guy to come and then want to give him something in the longer term, maybe down the road, there's certainly better options than Golden Tate right now. Sure, and I, I don't think any wide receiver out there would get more than one year contract, and if they do, no. maybe then you resign him for another one. I thought Kenny Stills was kind of interesting, honestly. He's a speed wide receiver, a deep threat. It would kind of, you know, as your fifth wide receiver, be a guy you can put out there to stretch the field or two-minute drills he can go deep on you. That kind of gives the Colts something. You know, if Paris got hurt again, where's their speed? I know that you got T.Y., but he's lost at least a little bit since his prime days. He's not the same speed, deep threat that he once was. So I thought uh, Kenny Stills was interesting, and I thought Fitzgerald was interesting just for Michael Pittman Jr., mm-hmm. just to give somebody with a similar body type and frame uh, an example, just this is how you go in about your business. This is how you use your body to your advantage. I thought Larry Fitzgerald is maybe like a fifth wide receiver uh, might be beneficial to bring in, play sparingly, but really help out Pittman Jr. I, I agree that he would help out Pitt. But here's where I will disagree with you in the value of adding a fifth wide receiver like a Larry Fitzgerald. When you get down to five and six wide receivers on your depth chart, those guys need to play special teams. Special teams they yeah. need to play special teams. And you're not going to trot Larry Fitzgerald out on the punt block unit. It's just not going to happen. I bet he'd tackle somebody. I'm sure he would. He'd tackle <laughs> me. I know that. But I know he's, he's a not big, signing to play no, special teams. He's a big, strong dude. But like, if, if, God forbid, like Paris Campbell gets hurt again, then you need a little bit more power up there at the top of your receiving list. That's, again, when a guy like this would sign. Uh, so... So, so I, I find it hard to believe that the Colts would sign a, a wide receiver right now just based on who they have. I mean, like you said, we got T.Y. at the top, Pitt and Paris, two and three. Zach Paschal is your number four, who has uh, great value as the four receiver. I think he's one of the he, – he's certainly one of the best four receivers in the NFL. Um, and after that, you have Ashton Doolin, who's your special teams guy for sure. And you've got guys like Desmond Patman, who spent all last year on the practice squad. You've got a guy like Michael Strawn, who you got in the seventh round this year, who will probably be on the practice squad all this year. But nevertheless, he's a guy that you want to develop. And if he develops a little bit faster than normal, you want to get him there. You want to get him on the field. You want to get him. Yeah, you want to get him playing some special teams. So so between between those two guys, uh, Patman and, and Strawn. And then you also have guys who you have as as free agents, undrafted free agents. The other guy from USC, whose name is going to escape me right now, I'm not going to remember it, but but you know who I'm talking about. Um, so so there are options again they have that are cheaper that will play special teams is what is what it comes down to. Like all these guys are, hey, if somebody gets hurt, we'll consider them. But right now, I just find it difficult to believe that that someone here 
would be uh, would be something that Chris Ballard was would be strongly considering right now. I feel like if he was considering it, he probably would have done it by now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's waiting on the clock, uh, the price to come down a little bit. But I agree with you. I think right now. Indianapolis wants to see what they have in their younger wide receivers, and they don't want to hamper their opportunities with someone who's going to give them a 33-year-old who's going to give them, what, at best six, 700 yards for one year. Yeah. Um, so I agree with that. But I, I did think it was interesting, some of the other free agents that were still available who might be able to come in if there's an injury or if the Colts get into training camp and go, our young guys are not progressing like we hoped they would at defensive end. Um, there's a few guys out there, Dave, that I thought might might move the needle a little bit. For sure. And, and some of those guys on the edge are Melvin Ingram, 32 years old. Um, he was injured last year for the Chargers and appeared in just seven games total, but uh, had three straight seasons of 70 or more pressures uh, before last year's injuries broke that streak. Um, he, he's didn't, he, did, he was pretty good, according to PFF, Pro Football Focus, uh, the best pass rushing grade he has posted since 2017 last year, even though the sacks never materialized for him. So you figure he was at least winning some battles uh, from time to time still at 32 years old. Justin Houston's there. Uh, he, like, and, and here's again why, like, why I'll say, like, I, I think one thing that separates this podcast from some, from some other podcasts is, is Chapel's, Chapel's obviously been covering the Colts for, for 35, 36 years, so he separates us, even though he's not here right now. But all that to say... <laughs> Still, what separates us from some others is you get some insight from us you can't get elsewhere. And you get some insight from within the organization that you can't get elsewhere. You get conversations that we have had in the organization that you won't get elsewhere. Like being being a, um, a, a major network affiliate has its perks. And the, the, just the access that, that we have continually, whenever it does pop up, to a, a Frank Reich and a Chris Ballard. And when you talk to Chris Ballard, again, he says... That that defensive end, that that defensive line room is pretty full right now. Pretty full. It's pretty full, and, and so th- there's just it's just not likely that you're going to see right now, again, any of these guys. But like you said, if you, if you go to camp and things aren't materializing or someone gets hurt, then yes, these are possible. But don't expect Justin Houston to rejoin this roster anytime soon. Olivier Vernon had nine sacks last year, but tore his Achilles in Week 17. You want to bring in another? Colts love that. Exactly, they do. Yeah, hey, Achilles injury, get him over here. All Achilles jo- team. Exactly, join join the squad. Uh, but but if you if you look at all these guys, I'd imagine that, like Justin Houston would probably be the most likely they'd bring back, just because he'd had he he's had the the history with the team. He knows everything that you you want from him at at that position. And the last two years, he had nine sacks, ten sacks, whatever it was, ten and a half sacks, eight and a half. I forget exactly how it panned out, but. Like he, he was still productive for sure at times, and he's proven that. So I'm sure he's out there again, waiting for the opportunity. Maybe even he'll wait until week seven or week eight of the season when the team says, "You know what? We're a pretty darn good team, but we just haven't quite gotten to the quarterback the way we could. If we could just boost our pass rush a little bit, we can go from a wild card team to maybe a division winner or a division t- winner to maybe a conference contender." And that's what guys like Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram could be waiting for. Yeah. I'm- Kind of surprised Houston hasn't been signed yet, yeah, to be honest too. with you. 19 sacks over the past two seasons. Um, I, I would have to speculate that it'd be a money thing. He wants more than what teams are willing to pay. And that's kind of the thought process where if I go, well, if if it's a respect thing, like if the Colts, they know what I bring. If they're not going to give me my $8 million, I'm not signing with them. And the Colts could turn around and go, okay, well, Melvin Ingram will sign for three. We'll just bring him in. Um, that, that That's only reason I could see them going with Ingram instead of Houston. But I, I just, 
that defensive end position is so important. And with a couple uh, proven veterans, albeit a little older, still out there, it would make me feel better if they would just sign one of them so that I don't have to kind of place my bets on so many unknowns along that defensive end position. But I guess I got to trust Chris Ballard in the process, and he knows he knows what he's doing. So hopefully these young guys can step up if the Colts don't end up signing anybody. I mean, I, I think what Chris would say in response to that is, like, you already went out and you signed uh, Rochelle. So you signed one defensive end. You went out and you drafted Quiddy Pay and Dio Odangbo, two more defensive linemen, Pay on the end, Odangbo probably more on the middle. Um, you figure maybe Taekwon Lewis moves to the outside as well. Kamoko Ter- you got to get Tomoko Ture some snaps sometime. Uh, Al-Kadeen Muhammad has been, uh, if nothing else, dependable in the backup role um, and, and serviceable when he's called in to, to, to more snaps as well. So, so they, they have a lot of depth on the defensive line right now, and there's only so many places, only 53 spots on that roster, of course, week to week. So, um, so they have something right now. So it's just it, it's it, something. It, we just exactly. don't know what it is. Exactly. <laughs> they have something in, and it's set right now. And we'll have to wait to see exactly what that is. So, again, defensive end it would not be the position I would think they would go out and, and spend some anything on right now more, more than some others. Cornerback, maybe another issue. Maybe. Like, I, I don't think it's quite as as much of a no. Like, there's no way they would sign a cornerback right now um, because you obviously have uh, Xavier Rhodes, who had a pretty darn good year last year. And you have Kenny Moore. Who uh, is if they had a, if awesome. they had Nichols yeah Nichols in the Pro Bowl he he would win it he would go, um, but then on your other corner, it's it's a whole lot more questionable, even the than the defensive line position. Rocky Seen has not done anything to prove that he deserves a a starting spot uh, uncontested week one. Marvell Tell sat out all of last year. T.J. Carey. Well, he's earning like two or three million dollars, something like that, on a one-year deal again. That—that's what he is. He's a good backup corner that can step in and start when necessary. And he had a couple really good plays for the Colts last year. A nice pick six against the Jets, I believe it was. So don't get this wrong. I'm not—I'm not trying to badmouth T.J. Carey, but but there are some guys out there I think that could really elevate what this secondary is. And you look immediately at Richard Sherman, who only played five games with a calf strain last year. It was part of that 49ers team that was just ravaged by injuries in 2020. But he had a great 2019. He had a, a coverage grade of uh, uh, like 89-90, right around there. Um, had, had a really good year in his early 30s. But there is a cliff somewhere that cornerbacks are going to hit. You just, If you would bring him in, you would have to be pretty confident that he hasn't hit that cliff yet. Um, Steven Nelson's another one, but he's 28. He's got five more years um, than, than Sherman, five fewer years, I should say. And he's a top 20 quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus. He had interceptions the past couple seasons of 4-1-2, and two, so he continually produces a little bit. He was with Pittsburgh the past couple years, and he was with Kansas City before that. Had the big four-interception season, got paid in free agency, now looking for another gig after two years in Pittsburgh. So those are two guys immediately. I think Brian Poole, another one who played for the Jets, 28 years old, is another cornerback that, that has starting experience, that has been out there on the outside for, for a couple of years who you figure you know a little bit more about than guys like Rakyasin and Marvell Tell. Um, so, so cornerback would be a spot that I, I wouldn't be as surprised as others if Chris Ballard said, you know what, I want to bring in one more guy here uh, before the season begins. Yeah, I, 
I guess I'm just up because I feel like they already have more established at cornerback, and you're just relying on one question mark, which is Rocky Sin. We like feel completely opposite I about know. defensive end and corner. Like, I know. We feel I'm the like... same things, but about the different positions. Like, well, they paid they paid Xavier Rhodes. They're paying Kenny Moore. And could, could you imagine if they brought Sherman in? Which I would love, by the way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be upset about it. But if they brought Sherman in and had Sherman and Xavier Rhodes, it's got to be the oldest cornerback duo in the NFL. Might be. Um, I, I would like it for a good year or two, but I think what they want to do is give Rock that chance. And I think if you bring Richard Sherman in, you're admitting that he's starting over Rocky Sin. You're yep. not bringing in Sherman to be a backup. Um, I wouldn't mind Nelson. Let Rocky Sin compete with Nelson. And then if, if you can't beat out... You know, it's not like Steven Nelson's this great pro bowl or anything. If you can't beat out Nelson, uh, maybe you don't deserve to start. Uh, also looking through here, man, I just can't keep my eyes off some of those left tackles that I go just for a few games. If if, if they bring in like a um, – um, oh, who's your boy from Philly? Jason uh, Peters? Jason Peters. My just, guy. <laughs> just be like, can we give you 87 a, years old. <laughs> a six-week contract? Yeah. You can just man the left side until Fisher can come back. I would love that. But um, there's some significant names still out there, and I'm sure a few of these guys are going to get paid by some teams who either don't like what they see out of their own roster and training camp or have some injuries. Absolutely, there are. Um, you look at the top of this list here, you've got uh, popped up here. Actually, Malik Hooker's on this list. Former Colt safety is uh, now number 14. Safety is another position that, like, it, it it's not doesn't look completely set to me. You've got Kari Willis and Julian Blackman. They're one, two, there's no doubt. you got George Odom, who's an all-pro special teams player for sure. But you did go out and sign a free agent in Sean Davis. You drafted another Sean Davis. Sean Davis and Sean Davis. Exactly. So if there's another Sean Davis out there, it's possible that he could come to the Colts too. But, <laughs> but in all seriousness, that that's one that that I don't feel like I don't think it has the depth that some other places do. But at the same time, you already got your free agent there again in Sean Davis. You drafted a rookie in Sean Davis who you want to develop there. So so maybe it, so maybe as I explain more to myself as I'm hearing it out loud, it's more set than I than I kind of uh, originally thought. But um, but that that's another position you see guys up here. You see a lot of offensive linemen here, Joe, on this list that that we have. Um, guys like Morgan Moses from Washington, Mitchell Schwartz from Kansas City who had his injury at the end of last year. Russell yeah. Okung from Carolina. So, so a lot of guys near the top of this this list uh, that uh, that are, are really more on the offensive line that we figure the Colts certainly have their starting five set there, and even behind them have signed guys like a Sam Tevia, Julian Davenport. Um, they really want Danny Pinter to develop on the inside as well. Maybe he's even the starter down the road here. But uh, guys like Joey Hunt, who was the backup center for the squad last year, so uh, they, I, 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 it's hard for me to think they would sign a veteran offensive lineman either. They're like it's they already they, did they, exactly, Fisher. yeah. They're yeah. like this, this Colts team. The, the good thing is you're not trying to sign anybody at this time of year because. Um, because you figure your roster is more set than it was three, four years ago. You know, like th- that's when Chris Ballard ha- has made some hay in the past, some p- past moves like signing Zach Pascal, claimed him off waivers specifically in June of 2018. So he's got 600 plus yards and five touchdowns in each of the past two years with the Colts. So like Sneakily. Pa- exactly. Pascal is is a perfect example of what you can get this time of year, but he's not one of these top names, you know, you would consider either. He's not going to be on the top 15 list of free agents available because he was an undrafted rookie free agent that that the uh, the Titans cut him and, and the Colts signed him. So uh, other guys that the Colts have signed in the past, you look back to uh, the Grigson era and he he found a few good ones. Uh, he found Ahmad Bradshaw in June of 2013. 
Um, he only had three games in that year, uh, but then Bradshaw had 725 yards from scrimmage and eight touchdowns in 2014. So he found the end zone quite a bit, was very valuable to that uh, 2014 Colts offense. And then one of the one of the most important mid-June signings that I can remember is Mike Adams, who signed in June of 2014 and then went to the Pro Bowl in 2014 and 2015 with the Colts. So he had 12 interceptions in three seasons. And, and you can't understate what his presence also meant in the locker room. He's a guy that, that, um, that coaches ha- have singled out as his veteran leadership was important for that entire defensive unit. Uh, and that's something that the Colts did not have, that Chris Ballard singled out they did not have two years ago when they struggled significantly down the stretch of uh, two years ago and missed out on the playoffs. So like that, that's something that that uh, that Pops gave them at that time. And at the same time, he, he, he played the best football he had ever played in, in his mid-30s. I don't know exactly how old he was in 2014 when he signed, but he was certainly on the north side of 30. Yeah. So you look at one of those guys here that, that we've already mentioned that, hey, it, 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 I'm not saying that 30 is the end of a career by any stretch. You can come in and get two Pro Bowls and, and be so one of the MVPs of a Golden defense. Tate's going to so come I'm in saying, and be a Pro Bowl. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I'm saying you never know. But, but it, like, the, these... I think there's more misses than hits this time of year, and a lot of guys are really waiting waiting for something to happen in the preseason or in the early season or for a team to really think they're, we're one piece away. We don't want to rely on our rookie or our second-year guy to continue developing right now. We need a guy who is developed into something that's more than they are right now. Maybe this guy we have on our roster will be better than him eventually, but right now he's just not there yet, so we need a boost up in, um, in, in ability and in what we can do on the field, whatever it might be. And, and so, so a lot of, like I said, a lot of these guys right now are probably going to be waiting for some time, I would imagine, especially as all these uh, training camps, or not training camps, these mini camps have wound down across the league. Now almost every team, if not every team, I don't know exactly, um, is done with mini camp and is waiting for the next five, six weeks until training camp begins. Well, now's the time of year where every team has hope. Even those unproven yep. players on your roster, you, you don't know that they're bad yet. Yep. So you can think you have something, get into training camp and go, oh boy, Ben Banigou has not improved. He he looks the same as last year when he was inactive for just about every game or whatever it might be. I hope they're not saying that. Ben Banigou has a lot of talent. He's very athletic, but... You know, these are just the situations that teams uh, could find themselves in as they get into training camp. And another factor in it is how close do the Colts think they really are? Do they think they're one or two veterans away from legitimately contending? Do they still think they need a year or two? I mean, I, I think it'd be really interesting if you honestly asked Chris Ballard, year one of Carson wins, how realistic competing for a Super Bowl would be. And I, I think that you'd have a better answer after four to six weeks of the season. You know, yeah. like, like right now, you certainly don't want to go all in by any stretch. But maybe after five or six weeks, you're in the same I, like mindset that, that I've been talking about for the past, I don't know, 10 minutes here from time <laughs> to time. But 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 anyway, um, I, I was going to make a point and it just just slipped my mind. Um, but ah, and, and it's gone. Psh. See you later. We'll Goodbye. come back next when you're. I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to tweet it out later. By the way, you can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow Joe at Roto Street Joe. I'm at Dave G underscore Sports and Mike Chapel as well at M Chapel fifty one. Uh, follow us for Colts news and those notes throughout the week. And for me, heck, you'll see IndyCar uh, sprinkled in. You'll see uh, you'll see anything and everything when it comes to Indianapolis sports here specifically for me. And uh, Joe has some great uh, fantasy stuff. I'm sure that you're going to start cranking up, cracking up some more fantasy uh, over the coming weeks. We just had our fantasy podcast episode last week. If you haven't heard it, I'd encourage you to download, listen to that. Our, in, our first impressions 
on the Colts fantasy impact in this 2021 season. Uh, but, but Joe, I'd imagine you have some good stuff coming uh, over the next week. Do you have anything specifically planned that you're working on right now? Or are those ideas more kind of still in the, uh, in the meat grinder, so to speak, Not working specifically their way right now. Yeah. They're in the meat being ground all up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as we get closer to training camp and we get all that buzz and all the quotes, we're going to feed so-and-so the rock 300 times a game. Uh, we'll definitely start doing a little bit more on RotoStreetJournal.com. I remember what I was going to say, and that was, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was about like there's. I think there's even less of a chance this year for teams to be signing guys like this now than there is in years past, and here's why. And maybe you can couple this with last year as well because of the uh, unique off season. Last year there was basically no work done in the off season, so you can't get into your mini camps and all your OTAs and realize oh, this guy's terrible. He's just not catching on. We need to go get a veteran. This year, it's not quite as bad, but it's still pretty similar. You can have some work in OTAs and in minicamp, but it's very limited what you can do on the field, even more so than in years past. And that's just the way the NFL has been going in, in recent years. If there's one thing that the players have gotten in their discussions with the owners in their, uh, in their collective bargaining agreements, it is less work during the offseason. And I think we've seen a little bit of the, the results of that during the season with fewer injuries, especially when you take all the teams, maybe not specific teams here and there have been, have been hurt more than others. But when you look at all the teams, um, it, it has been better overall for the health of players, I think, when you look at uh, the numbers uh, that, that, that have come out. So, so what I'm saying is right now you don't get the same look that you had at a guy five years ago. Uh, over the summer so you don't bring in a free agent you're like this guy just does, doesn't fit you don't have a guy who's drafted or in his second year is like this guy's just not developing or this guy just doesn't have it mentally to to to, to work here so we need to bring in someone else and you go assign a mike adams or an ahmad bradshaw at this time of year right now you still have hope like you were saying like everybody has hope i was looking just just today people it was like there's just headlines out of Philadelphia. Devontae Smith is turning heads in Philadelphia. That, that's happening everywhere right now. Yeah. If, if, if your first-round pick is not turning heads, then you have a problem right now. Maybe even your sixth-round pick isn't turning heads. Then you have a problem right now. But, but, but all that to say, it's, it's a lot harder, I think, for guys right here than it has been three, four years ago to, to find something. These free agents are a proven commodity, but they're also more expensive. And a lot of teams would rather go with the unproven commodity and have guys that they can develop and have for cheaper than them than they would go out and just spend their owner's money and bring in these guys for a one-year deal when you have the younger guys that you think will be there by the time the season begins. Exactly, and especially if you're an up-and-coming team who wants to see what your young talent has and you're not one or two players away from a Super Bowl. Like, yep. like the Buccaneers, if the Buccaneers want to bring in one of these, a Richard Sherman or you know whoever one of these guys might be, I'd say that's a great move yep. because they're already locked and loaded. A little bit of talent's only going to help. Who cares about the long run when your quarterback's already almost 50 years old? But uh, I would agree. I think the Colts, if we're going to see a signing from them, it would come in probably August mm -hmm. when they get into the training camp and uh, and injuries hit and all that stuff. I'll be keeping my fingers crossed for Paris this year. I, I've been looking over the uh, the Colts roster just uh, just as we've been talking, and I've been, I've been thinking about, shoot, who, who which positions might be the most likely to see a, a free agent addition. I talked about cornerback, even though we disagree on that. Dang it, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, like, you look at tight end, there's another one perhaps. Like, you have Jack Doyle, Mo Alley-Cox, and Kylan Granson. Uh, if you're not totally set on a Farad Green or Noah Togiai, um, then maybe you get someone else there, like a Jesse James, former Lions and former Steelers uh, tight end. You bring him in. Uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility, I don't think. That just seems like 
It could be maybe a lighter position than others. Um, and we haven't talked at all about linebacker. Um, we, we rarely do talk about linebacker because you, you, you have Darius, you have Bobby. Those are your two guys, yeah. you know. And, and the Colts are in their, in that personnel more so than their base personnel, the 4-3, the three linebackers. Like it, It's probably at least 75% of, of the time it's it's two linebackers or, or even fewer. And you only have that third linebacker on the field in very rare instances. So, And that's, of course, my guy, Zaire Franklin, out of Syracuse <laughs> University. And, uh, and you'd think if they wanted that third linebacker, they would have just kept Anthony Walker. I right. think he only signed for like $4 million, Yeah, so. it wasn't that big. And, and, and also, the, the Colts did sign a guy in Malik Jefferson uh, this offseason as well in free sure. agency. So they got someone there. Then you have your Jordan Glasgow on your special teams, and you love your EJ Speed as well. You want, I do love yeah, EJ you Speed. want him, you want him to be on the field, man. You want to see what he can I do. I really do. Yeah. Well, we've seen a couple great things, like that punt block uh, the other year against Tennessee that we brought up last week for whatever reason. I forget why, but uh, we were talking about the impact of special teams, and then there's there's EJ Speed right there. EJ so Speed yeah, I I, I I don't think there would be anything that would be considerable that would be done. In the, in the linebacking core. And you still have Matt Adams and Sky Moore that are still on the roster right now with, with their first contracts or maybe even their second contracts that were small contracts. I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, um, special teams is set. Um, quarterback is set. Uh, running back is definitely set. You have four guys that you that I think you would really like in, in the backfield. So no Le'Veon Bell, yeah, no no Le'Veon Todd Bell, Gurley, the best running back, twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Run it back, twenty sixteen fantasy <laughs> championship. Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, leading you to the promised land. It's 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 crazy, man. And then Le'Veon comes out and trashes Andy Reid. Come on, Le'Veon. Everyone loves Andy Reid. I know. What are you doing, dude? Dude, ridiculous. Terrible. Uh, uh, absolutely terrible. Le'Veon was special, man. During for those his like best three years. years, oh my gosh! Man, and then was good. the killer bees there in Pittsburgh. I loved him because he looked like he was running so slow, and it did. everyone just couldn't mm-hmm. grasp him. For y- some, you know, you credit there the Steelers line, and, and like I think the Steelers offensive line does get a lot of credit. So I don't have to give them more. They're one of the best in the league. But but that that goes to like guys holding onto their blocks. You know that that's yeah. like you don't just have to push a guy aside for a second and a half so your back hits the hole quickly. That's certainly one one skill of an offensive lineman to get some immediate movement of of the guy across from you but also being able to stay steady on a guy and just control him and so Le'Veon could just stand there and pick his spot it it was a thing of beauty to watch in in his heyday and it's unfortunate to see that he's seemingly fallen uh fallen a little bit from from that level right now um yeah so, but that's all right, because new yeah. running backs crop up, like Jonathan Taylor. Exactly. You get JT, and, and then you're pretty darn happy for uh, for now and for the foreseeable future. So I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. The time is ticking down until training camp. I am sure we will find one or two more things to talk about in a week's time. We always seem to. And uh, Mike Chappell will, will come back one day with a uh, Beach Grove tan. And uh, as long as he, you know, he he went away from a while. As long as he comes back in shape, yes, ready to go for training camp. (laughs) He's in football shape. We'll we'll welcome him back with open arms. So we thank you for listening to this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. For Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Please download and subscribe. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device whenever we drop. And we will see you next time.